0: Welcome to the Real Freedom Podcast with your host, Nicole Rivers-Moore. Today's guest, Kendra Barnes, is a real estate investor and also owner of the Key Resource. So we're going to be listening in to learn a little bit more about her journey, her path, some of her strategies, and how we can get involved in real estate investing. Just a side note, if you're interested in sponsoring the Real Freedom Podcast, be sure to reach out via the website, click on the contact tab at Nick the dot com. That's N I K T H E B A N K E R. Happy Listening. Hey, Kendra. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> Good. Okay, so Kendra, we're going to just jump right into uh, this interview and get started on um, learning a little bit more about what you do and um, the services that you offer. And I just want to introduce you. Um, I'm speaking today to Kendra Barnes, who is the creator of The Key Resource. And the purpose of that company is to change the perception of what a real estate investor is supposed to look like. And And when I got your bio, that was In quotation marks so I guess there is kind of a a thought of of, um, the appearance of a real estate investor with kind of that stereotypical view Um, so Kendra also owns and manages four properties eight rental units in total her mission is to empower and educate Millennials I'm all about the empowerment and education portion so we have that in common Uh Mm -hmm. and your purpose is to build wealth through real estate investment Um, you're an economist by day and when you're not working um, I know you like thrift shopping and food. We have that, in <laughs> <too>. <laughs> and um, binge watching on Netflix. So, um, yeah, let's 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 get started. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This interview has been um, a long time coming. We've been trying to connect and um, get on each other's schedules, but I really appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Okay, so why real estate investing what is what got you into real estate investing how did you get the bug what happened with that i mean it's not something that i think now it's become this kind of um it's, it's a buzzword it's a big thing a lot of people are getting into it but um how did you find it how did it catch your eye
1: yeah my husband and i we got into it really randomly a few years ago we were playing this game called cash flow are you familiar i am oh uh, who is it? rich dad poor dad that's a game from Uh Mm uh-huh so it's like Monopoly but to me it kind of mimics life a little better um so now well actually it's like my favorite game now but we we were playing it one day and we realized that like to win the game to get out of the rat race of life you had to invest you had to invest in stocks you know or real estate and real estate was the one that really moved the needle and like (laughs) helps you win the game um And so we played that game randomly one day at my aunt's house and we went home like, oh my gosh, why aren't we investing in real estate? Like we weren't investing in anything. No stocks, no real estate. Um, We were barely even saving. Um, So we had these great government jobs making good money, but we were not doing anything to build wealth. And so after that game, like literally the next day, we started looking for our first property. (laughs) Wow.
0: It was that quick it was like instantaneous
1: yeah we were just like oh my gosh we like what are we doing because we we you know we have these goals and we knew we didn't want to like work until we're like I don't know 78 but we weren't <laughs> doing anything to get there and it never really clicked that we could invest in real estate until like playing that game and seeing how you know you start off with small deals which leads you to the bigger deals and it just was like oh my like something just went off like a light like, a light switch. But so the next day we were looking for properties, but we still had like no idea what we were doing, like none. <laughs> wow.
0: So then let's talk about that. Your, your first deal. Cause I think that's, um, you know, that that's where people get kind of caught up. Like, well, you know, I don't really have any money. I don't know how, how could I possibly get into real estate investing, but you decided, and then you acted
1: on it. How did you do it? So we, um, uh we found that we found our first property it was a duplex and um you know when you buy a rental property you have to put like 20 25 percent down which is a lot of money especially in dc which is really expensive especially people who have not been preparing like someone who literally got up and played a game and and started looking for a property right like right tomorrow (laughs) right yeah like no planning, we found the property maybe like a month or so after playing the game. You know, we looked for a while for for places, but we ended up um, borrowing from our retirement accounts to afford the property. Which I'm gonna throw this out there: this is not financial advice, this is not legal advice. Um, we made that decision one because we literally did not have enough money to to do it otherwise, but also we we ran the numbers and realized, you know, however much money our um, retirement accounts were making at that time, um, we would have made so much more, you know, buying this property and getting that rental income. So we made the decision, it worked well for us, but that's how we were able to afford that first property.
0: Okay, so um, in hindsight, do you still feel like the retirement um, liquidation or partial liquidation or however you did that, do you still feel like that was the uh, the best decision?
1: Would oh, still- yeah. Yeah, we made so much money on that money, like more money than it would have made just sitting there. Um, and when we when we did this, when we made the decision to go ahead and like jump into this rental game, we knew that we weren't going to go the traditional retirement route. You know, we're like, OK, we're in this. We're going to retire early. And so for us, it just made sense. Um, like I said, we've made more money and like you're essentially borrowing from yourself and like paying yourself back. Um so no, I don't regret it at all, but I do regret not house hacking now. Like, looking <laughs> at, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another question I have for you is, you know, what
0: do you think house hacking? was that a way that you thought you think might've been a better strategy or
1: different strategy? Or do you recommend that? I do. It's like my favorite thing now, but we jumped in so quickly. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing, but also for me, like I didn't have that wealthy mindset yet. It's it's a it's a shift. It's like a mindset shift you have to go through to really, really truly build wealth, especially if you're starting from like ground zero, right? So I wasn't ready to sacrifice um my comfort level to house hack. So if anyone's listening and not familiar with house hacking, it's essentially high unit property. You can, you know, live in one unit and rent out the other units and when we came across this duplex, one unit was empty. One unit was occupied. Um, the unit that was empty was a one bedroom. And at the time we lived in a huge house and I was like, I'm not giving up my space. Like I work hard <laughs> every day, mm-hmm. you know, living in this tiny apartment, you know, but we would have saved thousands of dollars on that down payment because when you occupy the property, the down payment is significantly lower. So Absolutely. I do regret that. My husband never lets me live it down. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, that's lesson learned.
0: Yeah, you live and you learn. Um, and now, did you own a property at the time or were you guys renting and then
1: this was your first ownership? Oh yeah, good question. So, you know, we owned a house at the time and I'm going to be honest, like we never in a million years imagined we would ever own any other house. Like we bought that house and we're like, cool, we graduated college grad school government job house marriage check like we're good like we're gonna this is life like this is what for us up until that point we felt like we checked all the boxes no one ever planted that seed in our minds that hey you know you can do better than this like you can actually be wealthy you can actually like step outside of this box of you know just aspiring to work until you're 78 you know Um, Until we played a game like it's so crazy. So that's why I'm so passionate about um, empowering people to build wealth, because I feel like we're not having these conversations enough in our communities. So,
0: yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I'm reading a book right now that talks about the mindset shifts and and um, in the work that I do. I've learned and, and also, you know, in, in my circles of the different money coaches and different people who I, I have come in contact with who talk about building wealth and give tips and empowerment, information, education, the mindset shift stuff, the mindset changing is probably over 50% of, of Mm. what it takes to build wealth. Um, So when we talk about the mind stuff, these are the, the, the stories, the experiences, the childhood things Um, Do you remember kind of what your money story was based on like your childhood growing up? Like what you thought about money that it was kind of like in your plan to just, well, you know, I'm just going to work. I got the boxes checked off and you know, we're good. Like kind of what was your money story?
1: So growing up, my, both my parents are in the military. Well, they're retired now, but they were in the military and um, because you know coming from a military family um there's not really any fear of job loss it's like a very stable career right so um always had this sense of like money's not going to run out we weren't rich we weren't poor either but you know being an only child as well i was pretty spoiled not a spoiled brat we're not going to put that on there but <laughs> right right but, <laughs> but um i don't know i always always felt like if I ran out of money, my parents would always bail me out. So I didn't really have um, a concept of like budgeting and like saving and and things like that. So um, that's a little bit of my money story, I think. And I've heard other military brats say this too, like coming from a military family and having that extreme like stability, it it makes us look at money differently. Like we're just so comfortable because we know that, we'll always have it, um, in some shape or form. So, um, what was the second part of the question?
0: Um, I was just how that kind of shaped your decision moving forward because you decided, I guess coming from a place of abundance is, is basically what you said, you're, you're saying, mm-hmm. but you, um, you kind of, I think, I think sometimes money, money stories can make people afraid. I mean, you guys took a big risk. So, yeah. It sounds like based on the kind of the way that you grew up and what you understood about money, I guess, did you have a lot of fear about investing?
1: Um, for me, and then my husband and I have different money stories, like, so he is like the budget guru and he's like, you know, he's not risk averse because we would not be real estate investors if he was completely risk averse, but he also is like very careful and strategic um, because his money story is a little different than mine but I will say like even though I came from a place of like abundance oh my parents will always have my back the reason why I never realized that I could be an investor or build wealth is because I think since my parents come from a different generation their view of success literally ended with get the good get the good government job you know it's like they never really pushed me beyond that because if you just think about that generational difference, like to them, it's like you made it. Um, And that's why I say we're not having these conversations enough in our communities. Not that getting a good government job is bad, but we can also do more.
0: Yeah. There's, there's definitely more than one way to get to that point of being comfortable and and kind of finishing up and retiring for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So, so turning the conversation kind of back to the strategy and investing, um, when you purchased or when you purchased, because I know that you're still, you you and your husband are active, uh, do you always use LLCs for investment properties? And the reason why I ask that um, is because you said that you, the guys did 20% down, you use residential, um, a residential loan, I'm assuming. And I know just from the work that that I do in the mortgage industry that many um, mortgage loan companies do not want to work with uh, LLCs. So did you use that? Was it helpful? No? Yes.
1: No, we actually just purchased our very first property using an LLC um, just like six or seven months ago. And the only reason we did that is because we bought the property cash. Um, it was our very first cash purchase, our very first LLC you know, purchase. Um, and I think people who are starting out always feel as though like oh, I, have to, I have to create an llc to to buy my first rental and they're coming from a good place because you know a llc will give you protection but like you said you can't just like create an llc today and then walk up to a bank and say hey give me a loan or give my llc a loan to buy a property because the same um you know, requirements and checks and balances that a mortgage company would put an individual person through. Like, how long have you been employed? How much income do you make? Um, They want to make sure your LLC will meet those same requirements, right? So, like, how long has your LLC been open? Oh, it's been open two days. Like, that's not long enough. going to work, right? Yeah, you have to really show that your LLC is worthy of a loan. Um, And I don't think a lot of people understand that. So, no, we we did not buy any of our mortgage properties with LLCs, but we did manage it through our LLC.
0: So you bought them without the LLC, but you, as far as, I guess, is that collecting the rent and management and all that you did that through an LLC? Is that what you mean by managing?
1: Yep. So like collecting rent and things like that. And then for DC, you know, we had to, um, we have to get inspections and you have to have like a business license. So, You know, in that aspect, we did use our LLC, but yeah, we didn't, um, we just purchased our very first property with our LLC, um, because we purchased it cash. Okay. So
0: then the takeaway from that is, I mean, for, for me and maybe other, um, would be investors and newbie investors is just that concept or the perception that you have to have an LLC to get started and unless unless you do you're not doing it the right way is not really accurate. There's a lot of ways to do this, right? Oh, definitely, definitely.
1: And yeah, I'm I'm really big on making sure people know that because there are so many things, you know, that that uh hinder people from getting started and that's one of them. And it's like a huge misconception. Um so yeah.
0: All right. So now from that first property and then your um, other properties coming afterwards, has every investment that you've made, do they all cash flow?
1: Yes, um, I it think it has. Flow? Oh, sorry. Is it positive, positive cash flow for everyone every single one uh one of our properties doesn't cash flow as much as we would like but like the appreciation is crazy the area has, has changed so drastically since we um purchased it that we know that in a couple of years we could cash out so we're not really worried about only making like a few hundred dollars a month um but i think that our cash flow is definitely attributed to the area um DC is a really expensive area. Rental rates are super high, so um, yeah, we've we've been uh, having, we've we've had uh, positive cash flow on all properties.
0: So, is there a number that you look for when you're doing your analysis to determine whether the cash flow makes sense? I know you mentioned that one of them is only a few hundred dollars a month, and and I guess that's not ideal when you think of your overall strategy but is there like, you know, the, the sweet spot that you look for as far as the
1: cash flow before you invest? Um, not really. There's no, there's no magic number. Um, so no, I, I, I really couldn't pinpoint like a magic, like it has to be this or that. It just really depends on how we feel about the area, how we feel about, um, you know, what we can do with the property in the future, along with like the cash flow and things like that. And, um, for our very first property, we, our calculation was so like basic. We were like, okay, so the mortgage was is like a thousand dollars. There's a tenant in there paying 750. So if we, if we get another tenant in the other side paying about the same, we'll be good. Um, but then we bought that property and literally a week later that tenant moved out and we were like, oh crap, how do we find tenants? Like we didn't even think about like, how do you even find people to live in your property? Like that's how randomly we jumped into this thing. Um, we figured it out, but.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of one of the things that you'd, I guess probably in hindsight say, okay, what's the strategy on that, right? Yeah. but Yeah, but sometimes you you kind of build your wings on the way down. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's inspirational too. Um, so as far as your investing strategy, uh, when we when we talk about property types, do you um, have any preference there? Are you doing single families, condos only, only duplexes, or multis? Or
1: uh, multi units are our favorite. I'll tell you why in a second. But we we own like a little bit of everything, I guess, because we own a four unit, a duplex, a single family, and a condo. Um, multis are our favorite because. Like, when you have a vacancy in a multi-unit, you could still be potentially making money. But when your condo is vacant, your single family is vacant, there's no money coming in. You know, so it's a little less risk. Um, But we own the single family because we used to live in it. And then we rented it out when we moved. Uh, The condo was just an amazing cash flow opportunity. You're talking about, you know, cash flow and the price was solo we were able to buy it cash and it was making it's making 11.50 a month it already had a tenant in it um he's a great tenant it needed no work so we were just like this is a no-brainer right but um so yeah our, our favorites are multis though but we do own a little bit of everything
0: okay and as far as um strategies i know you have mentioned that you purchased cash you've used a mortgage um any other methods as far as funding, financing? I mean, have you ever had any interaction with hard money?
1: No, we haven't. Um, in, in my mind, hard money um, is better, you know, for flips. And we've never done a flip. We've only, you know, done buy and hold. Um, and I know you'll find some investors who are like, I don't believe in mortgages. And to each his own, I... I do believe in mortgages because I believe in leverage. You know, when you're using a mortgage, you can take just a small, you know, portion of your money to get a, you know, a bigger return, right? Whereas if you're using cash, you may spend all of your cash or almost all of your cash. And um, in my mind, if you're getting mortgages for properties, you can put, if you have like $50,000 to spend, right, you can put that on three different properties rather than only being able to afford one property maybe depending on your market and and things like that so i feel like you can do a little more um but then there's this idea of like not being over leveraged it just really depends on whatever the investor's goals are whatever their market is and and you know their financial situation but yeah we've only used cash and mortgages
0: yeah that's i think that's an interesting point that you bring up when i speak to um even when i speak to first-time home buyers or people who are not At this stage of investing yet, I talked to him about the opportunity cost of having money tied up into your house. So, you know, as if you're thinking about whether or not you want to put 5% down versus 20% down and um, if you have other goals or if there's other things you need to do, and especially when it comes to investing, if you see another property you want to move on. Um, and you haven't used mortgage, uh, used the mortgage. It may be difficult to kind of move on different other op- other opportunities because you have your cash, or mm-hmm. your liquid assets tied up, right? That's
1: exactly. You don't want to have all your money tied up and, and not be able to move on uh, other deals. So, but to each his own. I mean, whatever works for for any investor out there.
0: Right. Because, again, so many different ways to to build your business in this way, which is one of the things that I love about real estate. You can be very, very creative. Yeah. Um, So do you use an agent for your transactions or do you find them yourselves? How do you find your units?
1: Um, We've always had uh, real estate agents and they always send us listings. But every single property we found on our own, which is so crazy, like, well, find it and then send it to our agent like can you take us here um and another unique thing about the properties that we've purchased they've all been on the market for like over 100 days which to most people would signify oh something's wrong with the property you know I don't want to go anywhere near that but um yeah they've all been on the market for a long time and in my mind they were meant for us um so it's all worked out and then um We've also another thing that I think people shy away from is occupied properties, like buying a property with tenants already in it, um, thinking like, okay, if someone's selling a property that's occupied, the tenants must be terrible, the property must be bad. Like why would they walk away? Um, that's not the case. We purchased three occupied properties. I think as long as you do your due diligence and you know, do your homework, um, there's nothing buy- wrong with buying occupied rentals. Nothing wrong with buying a property that's been sitting uh, a little longer than normal. You just have to make sure that you know you do your homework. But um, yeah, we've we've always had agents to answer your question.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's something that would that would be uh, that would cause anxiety as well. I've I've heard horror stories, you know, yeah. of purchasing with a tenant and the tenant. Had, issues or is not paying and now that becomes Mm -hmm. your problem and i don't know how it is in dc but in jersey it's it can be a little tricky to get someone out of your unit once Mm -hmm.
1: they've been there for a while so yes in dc it's like nearly impossible which is why in my opinion if you're buying occupied rental property there are several questions you need to ask there are several different documents you need to see and and things like that so it's um it it may not be for everyone, and I'm not saying every single occupied property is a good investment, but it's worked for us. You just got to do your homework,
0: right? And that's key, I think, for real estate investing in general. You have yeah. to do the homework, right? No one's going to tell you everything that you need to know. Although you do offer a lot of resources, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, so with with becoming a landlord. And I asked this question, I think, on um, Instagram the other day, because I wonder why a lot of people who are looking to get into homeownership or looking to purchase really are, are, are averse to even considering house hacking or considering purchasing a multifamily. And a lot of the feedback had to do with just being a landlord. That's scary. You know, you're in charge. You have to take care of repairs um talk about some of the 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 issues that you've faced as far as being a landlord and do you use a
1: um a management company no we self-manage and we live in texas and our rentals are in dc and maryland which i know sounds insane but um it works for us because well we just moved to texas so i mean we we used to live there and we have like we've built up a really good team of maintenance people and things like that um but we find that we we enjoy self-managing because we really know what's going on with our properties and we really have like a personal relationship with our tenants, which is really important to us. Um, so being a landlord, another thing too I want to throw out there is when you think about real estate investing, anyone who's listening to this, you don't have to be a landlord. Like there's so many ways to get in on this real estate game. So like, don't let that limit you, um, but for us, uh, we we did learn some really hard lessons, like getting into landlording. Um, one of them here's a okay. Here's a tip for for anyone who who wants to be a landlord, or even if you are a landlord and you're looking for a new tenant. Um, we in our interview process for one particular occasion, we made the mistake of like not interviewing everyone that was gonna be on the lease. Um, and we found out quickly that that minor detail like would have saved us from having to evict that family. Um, so I now suggest to people whenever you're getting new tenants, if it's a husband and a wife and two kids, you need to meet the husband, the wife and the two kids. You need to see how they interact with each other. How they interact with your with your property. Do they respect each other? If not, they're probably not going to respect your property. You know? That's good. Um, yeah, so that is, like, a huge lesson learned. And ever since we started doing that, we've been able to, um, you know, kind of dodge dodge some bullets, so to speak. But um, so we've, we actually have one apartment that's been empty for a few months. And one of our multi-units, which is not optimal because we're not making money on that unit, but we are being really picky about who we choose. Um, So if applications aren't filled out correctly, if requirements on the application aren't being met, you know, we're not like, oh, we're going to bend the rules because we want to make money. Because yeah, we might have lost three months of rental income, but it's much more expensive to have a bad tenant. So that's something that we've like had to learn the hard way.
0: And how do you prepare or account for those times when you don't have a tenant at the vacancy rates and things like that?
1: So for this particular unit, um, it really works in our favor because honestly, the way that the DC rent is set up, like just, <laughs> just, just one, uh, that just one apartment in that four unit basically pays the mortgage, the mortgage, which is crazy. Um, so we can kind of afford, I mean, clearly we'd rather be making the money, but um, we can kind of afford to like really make sure we have a good tenant. Um, previously, like we had a vacancy in our duplex, like, like I told you, the, the tenant moved out. We were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Like, how do we even find tenants? Like, oh shoot. But we ended up renting out on um, Airbnb um, just on a whim. Like we just need to make some money on this property so we can pay the mortgage. And it worked out beautifully we it was one of the best decisions we ever made so um that's one way you can handle vacancy is try to get creative um know your area like do you live near a college would it be suitable for summer school rental or for graduate students and um back to your question about like people being scared to be landlords if you've ever rented in your life if you have ever been a tenant like Just imagine the tenant that you were, you probably were a good tenant. There are people out there like you, you know, so not all tenants are going to be bad tenants. There are people out there just like you as a tenant, you know,
0: that's good advice. So focus on the positive, not the worst case scenario, not being led by fear, but just thinking, you know, there's someone hardworking who just wants a great place to live and Mm -hmm. like you Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, so when we talk about, um, the, the risks, do you feel like this, the experience that you've gotten so far, it sounds like every time you've taken on a property, every time you and your husband has, have invested, has been kind of a learning, a lesson, something you can take on for the next one. So you feel like you're kind of mitigating some of the risks with, with investing?
1: Yeah, we've learned so much and we're still learning. That's the other cool thing about real estate, um, is that there's always like something new to learn. Um, like I said, we've only done buy and holds. We've never done flips. That's like a whole other set of risk, right? Um, so, and, and that's another reason why I started the key resource was not to put it out there as like, I know every single thing there is to know about real estate, but to really take people along on the journey and like let them know, hey, I'm doing this. I've not always been perfect with my finances. Like you can do this too. Like you can shift your mindset, and you can build wealth. If I'm doing it,
0: yeah, I love that about you and about uh, your perspective and the information you offer. Um, I kind of I say similar things. Like I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I've made a ton, you know, of money mistakes, but. Um, I'm learning from them. And what I'm learning, I want to pass on, because um, I want to encourage other people to kind of, you know, to move forward to, to try different things to build wealth in different ways. Um, so when you say that, th- th- what an investor is supposed to be like, when I talked about that aspect of your or of your bio, what does that mean? And how are you kind of bucking what the what the stereotypical real, real estate investor is?
1: Um, I think the biggest part of it is there's this stereotype that you already have to be wealthy to invest in real estate. So that's the first one I'm knocking down because I didn't start wealthy. I started borrowing for my own retirement. like <laughs> So um, you, you don't have to be wealthy or even rich to invest in real estate. Um, you can really start with what you have. The second one is just being young and investing in real estate, um, then being young and Black and investing in real in real estate. If you look at, um, like, Dave Ramsey and Rich Dad Poor Dad, I, which I love because that game is what got me here, his game cash flow. But if you look at the seminars they put on and everything, we don't see ourselves as Black people represented um, in those conferences and videos and... Um, So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, like just to put another face on it. And I've had so many people tell me like, Kendra, I never even realized I could do this until I saw you. And I think representation is so, so, so important.
0: Absolutely. I think that sometimes if you cannot see someone who looks like you and who is somewhat, has a, a similar background or similar experiences, then it can kind of make you feel like, I don't know if that's for me, that's for other people, but that's not something that I could ever achieve. And I think that um, having more representation in real estate in general, because when it comes to real estate professionals or investors or anything that has to do with real estate, we are not very represented. um, We're not represented well. Our numbers are not very high. We we don't have high home ownership rates. So Mm -hmm. I, I think I applaud the work that you're doing and we need more representation for sure and more information. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely key. So speaking of keys, tell me a little bit about some of the services, the key resource your, your company offers and how do
1: you promote that empowerment in education? Well, I have, you know, like ebooks and online courses and all of the resources I provide seriously they they originate from issues that I came across in my real estate journey when we were starting out, there were things that my husband and I would find out like little nuggets of information here and there. And it's like, why didn't anyone tell us this? Like, why do we have to fight and dig and like randomly discover stuff? Why isn't someone passing this information down? So everything that I teach and share is, is something that I wish I knew when I started. Um, so yeah, I have it in the form of eBooks and um, courses. I have a, a free Facebook group too, where I post home buying tips every week and my goal for that is just for people to, to network and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. And I'm just sharing, uh, my journey through the key resource.
0: Okay. So I know that you, you're, you have a husband, I have a husband, but let's talk about single women. Some a demographic I'm very, very passionate about is women in general.
1: Mm-hmm. But when
0: it comes to single women, they are the fastest growing demographic in the home buying market. So, do you think that as far as long term, and when we talk about wealth building, that there is opportunity um, for investing and, and, um, ways that women can be can get involved in real estate investing especially single women to become um, a landlord or some of the other ways that you talked about um, getting involved in real estate investing that can begin to produce wealth for women who are interested
1: yes let me tell you so I have this Facebook group right and um, I'm gonna start doing this thing that that I'm naming true story Tuesdays it sounds kind of cheesy I just made that name up yesterday but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was really good actually to me. <laughs> because what i'm trying to do is like yes i'm sharing my story through the key resource but um still it might seem a little unattainable for some people because i've been doing this for four years and they're just starting out there are some there are about um, seven people in my facebook group that i know have purchased rental properties since taking my courses and what i'm trying to do is highlight their experiences because they've all purchased with like within the last six months So like, what did they do? How did they do it? And like sharing their different stories for their different market. They're like all over the country, right? I think it's really important for people to see how someone just recently did this and um, a story other than mine. So four of the people that I'm going to be highlighting, I'm going to do this once a week, I guess, until I run out of people, but they are single women and they've all purchased multi-unit properties by themselves, That's awesome. That's
0: incredible. And that is so inspirational. Again, we need to hear those stories so that we can be
1: inspired to do it, to do it ourselves. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, single women have a bit of a leg up. So one thing I always tell people whenever you're, if you're buying a multi-unit and you're house hacking, or if you're buying a house for yourself and it's not a multi-unit, whatever it is, if you're buying a house that you're living in, you have what I call primary residence purchasing power. And I made that up too, but it basically means that if you're living in a unit, you present a little less risk to the lender. So usually you'll get a better interest rate. Usually you'll get a lower down payment, right? So that alone gives you more buying power. But if you think about um, income for a single woman, instead of going and getting a loan uh with two incomes you're going and getting a a loan or buying a house with one income so then you open up the floodgates for all of these down payment assistance programs which gives you even more buying power even more of an advantage so i think single women are you know they have so much power to be real estate investors
0: yeah there's a lot of opportunity for for them to win Um, in that area. And especially when you think of, when you mentioned the down payment assistance program, some of them are income based so that you don't have the two incomes. um, You may qualify for a lot more Mm -hmm. than you would have, would have thought. And I know that that's one of the services you offer as well. You help people kind of figure out what kind of assistance programs may exist and what may be available for them. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I do. I do these um, down payment assistance reports um, because I, I don't think that people really realize how much money is out there? And so I just want to make sure that people are, you know, getting the most bang for their buck, really.
0: Yeah. Again, just more awesome services. You guys are going to want to check out the key resource. But really quick, let's fast forward five years. Uh, what does your business look like? What does your portfolio look like? And who have you become because of this work that you're doing?
1: Um, well, in five years, I am going to be retired. Uh I'm gonna be only I'll be retired. I'll only be working if I want to. And I just wanna be living off of rental income. Um and still going around and, and teaching. So that's the plan. Like my husband and I, we still work full time right now. Um, so in five years I'll definitely be, be retired. I'm trying to retire like tomorrow to be I teaching. hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but um Right now we're working towards like building up our um, LLC or the, we just bought that property with our LLC. So now we're like, you know, getting the the steam going with that. And um, yeah, I'm going to be retired. So that'll be me in five years.
0: But you're still going to be, it sounds like still going to be working in the field, still going to be helping people as much as possible, supplying information, supporting other people who are wanting to do the same.
1: Oh, definitely. But yeah, so retired in a sense of, you know, retired from my government job and like really just, um, I guess, reclaiming my time, just right, <laughs> reclaiming my time.
0: Right. Working because you'd like to work, but
1: mm-hmm. not have to work,
0: which is real freedom. I mean, that's kind of the, yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. So I've heard you talk about on your page, buying the block. And um, what is what is that term about? What does that mean? What does that
1: look like? For me, it means um, you know we as a community, we as Black people, really pooling our money together, and if not if not pooling our money together, at least just being on one accord um, in investing in our communities that have traditionally been forgotten, traditionally been run down. Um, just really investing and in, in owning in places where we, you know, once we're renters in places that uh, the school systems aren't, you know, doing so well, if we can really put our dollars and our, our minds together, we could literally change entire generations. Uh, so for me, that's what buying back the block means. A lot of inner cities are gentrifying really quickly, like D.C. I mean, D.C., it, it, the at the rate it the d c is gentrified, and a lot of black people haven't been able to capitalize off of that. So to me, buying back the block means really getting into that wealth mindset and um owning land that we have been occupying for for so long.
0: yeah, when you when you talk about gentrification, I mean, i I we're seeing that all over the country, and I remember living in maryland in the dmv area in the late 80s and it's completely different than it is now Um, my sister is an investor as well and owns property down there and it's just incredible and and with gentrification a lot of times is missed opportunities for you know Mm -hmm. us for 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 brown people to kind of get in on on the ground floor um and it's it's unfortunate but yeah, with with what you're talking about, that can change. We can make a difference, and we can we can change kind of the way that we um, that we are participants in gentrification um, rather than kind of like looking on the sidelines and it's just happening around us or happening to us.
1: Yes, yes, I think gentrification gets a bad rap, and it's because we are usually left out of it. But if we can be part of it, like you said, like that would be so powerful because for me, like when you see what happens with gentrification, a area that usually, you know, didn't look so nice or didn't have any resources now is beautiful and Starbucks and Whole Foods. So there's nothing wrong with that. Like we want nice places to live in, but let's also be the owners of that land.
0: Exactly. I completely agree. All right. So as we wrap up, um, I want to know about the books you're reading. I know that... I'm sure a lot of this this information that you've you've um, gathered is from your experience. But are there things that you recommend for newbies to read, or that you're reading to keep your game sharp and to to learn as much as you can about this business?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the book that I'm reading right now, I'm I'm gonna butcher the title, but it's um, like the secrets to long distance real estate investing, or. It's like about long distance real estate investing. It's really, really good. Um, and I think it's a great book for people to read because a lot of people in high cost of living areas, New York and California, and they feel like, you know, investing is unattainable, but there's nothing wrong with investing in places that you don't live. Um, there's like a whole science to it. So that's a really good book.
0: Okay, definitely. Um I'll try to put that in the show notes and I'll get the title and author. (laughs) (laughs) And um, where can we find you? Like, what are there projects you have on the horizon? If we, if listeners want to get in touch with you, they want to engage you. They want to maybe get involved with some of your services. Where can we find you?
1: Yes. Find me on Instagram. Once you find me on Instagram, like everything you need is like right there in my bio. Um, So it's at the key resource um, on Instagram, at the key resource. So yeah, I'd love to chat with you guys, send me a message, um, you know, let me know what I can help with.
0: Kendra, this has been awesome. I am so excited to share this information with everyone and, and really help people with the information you've provided to create or begin to create real freedom in their lives through through real estate. So I'm just so grateful and I'm so happy we finally made this happen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much. Thank you for the awesome um, time. I had so much fun.
0: Yeah, this was great. So um, if you're looking to connect with Kendra, find her on Instagram. This is definitely someone that um, if real estate investing is even a thought or a a blip on your radar, you definitely want to connect with her and um, we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much, Kendra. Thank you. (music)